welcome to Professor Dave Debates. Hey science people, welcome back to the show. Today we're going to be talking about another very important and controversial topic, and that is vaccines. This is in the news lately because we've got diseases that were eradicated that seem to be coming back, and this is largely due to a growing anti-vaccine sentiment amongst the public, a growing anti-Western medicine uh, sentiment in general. So uh, this is definitely something that we have to talk about. We need to understand it. We need to know what is going on. So to help us with this today is Kimberly Harrison. She's a scientist by training with degrees in in molecular biology from Caltech and Princeton. She did biology research for 16 years, and she was also a classroom instructor in biology and chemistry for another eight years. So definitely plenty of background in science, in research, in instruction, a lot of things. Uh, coincidentally, now she's an edutuber. She runs Socratica Studios, which is a, a YouTube channel. It's actually very similar to mine. It does a lot of STEM content. Um, so make sure you check that out. There's a lot of uh, you know different physical sciences, math, stuff like that. So with that, Without any further delay, let's jump into this conversation. Here is me and Kimberly Harrison talking about what's the deal with vaccines? Um, Professor Dave, we just hit 300,000 subscribers Holy today. Holy smokes, today. <laughs> I That's know, great. today's the day. I just hit 300 a couple weeks ago. I know, so not, congratulations. Not that long we, we are coming up together. We are in the same We are fighting for our here. lives in the, the field of science communication. That's right. And we'll all, we'll get to, go, are you going to go to uh, the, the Educon? For sure. Yeah. For sure. That's yeah. always a fun day. Yeah, that was great. You know, I, I've kind of lost my patience for VidCon, honestly. I think I'm... Yeah, I'm, I'm just, not going to VidCon this I'm, time. I'm, I'm just going the, to Educon. I'm not the target audience for VidCon no. anymore. But, um, but but Educon last year was wonderful, and I, I really look forward to going back to that. Yeah, I think it's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. So the life of the Psycomer. Now to now to switch gears here, uh, what we're talking about today with vaccines, uh, it's a pretty big topic. I mean, there's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of confusion. There's just it's a it's a pretty big area of discourse. Let's let's kind of let's start from the beginning, because in this podcast, I like to get, get a little more technical than some podcasts and kind of give a little bit of the, the more rigorous scientific approach. Sure. So sure. what what let's do just a, a, the briefest of histories of vaccines just to sort of start the tale from the beginning. Where okay. did they come from? Yeah. What happened? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, people like to talk about the first vaccine being from Edward Jenner in the 1700s. Right. Um, he came up with a vaccine for smallpox. And it was, you know, kind of a coincidental uh, discovery. He saw that milkmaids who had contracted cowpox mm, had some protection against mm -hmm. smallpox. They would get a much lighter version of the disease. They weren't so disfigured and they mm -hmm. didn't die. So these are related diseases. Related diseases, right. Although they didn't know this at the time. Mm -hmm. This was like way before germ theory of disease, right? right. They didn't okay. really get what so the causative yeah. agent was at we all. We didn't know what bacteria were <laughs> or, or anything viruses like that. or anything like and that, so right. So what was small, because people, especially, you know, young people today, well, anybody today is not familiar with smallpox. But right. It was this really horrible disease. Really right? what horrible was it doing? virus, yes. So you yeah. get, you know, pox, like little bubbly blisters all over your body, mm -hmm. um, incredibly painful, and ultimately Probably often deadly. Yeah. Right, I don't know, maybe something like 30% of people died. Mm -hmm. And then the other people were left horribly disfigured, sometimes with other, uh, you know, <laughs> bad yeah. effects. And tons of people were getting this, right? And we, we, yes. we gave it to the Native Americans. <laughs> Unfortunately, the story goes, right? yes. The story goes, we've spread it all over the world. Right. right? Um, terrible, terrible, However, you know, it's funny. We do know that there is some evidence of even earlier 
efforts at um, inoculation. Okay. Um, but with directly with smallpox. And so in Africa and India, a few other places in the world, um, there were people experimenting with actually um, like scratching the skin and uh, doing something called variosolation, which uh, you'd take some of the actual pustules, like small, smallpox mm-hmm. pustules, rub it in the wound, and that gives you a, a not quite as terrible version of the disease, and right. you're more likely to survive that. So somebody has the disease, we're scraping off the pussy parts, mm-hmm, we're giving mm-hmm. somebody healthy a cut, right. and then you put it in there. Right. So I should so I should say that was the really the very earliest version of vaccines, but that was a lot more dangerous mm-hmm. than the cowpox. Because you're essentially just getting the disease. Getting right? the disease, right? I mean, but but a milder version, like kind of a more controlled version, like controlled a peripheral. You know where it is. Or, okay, yeah, I see. I that see. kind of thing. I think it gave your body a better chance of fighting off that one very specific right. wound. Now, who had yeah. that idea? I wonder whether just like to so, prevent the disease, let's yeah. get the disease. Right. <laughs> it's a right. bizarre train <laughs> yeah. of thought. I don't know. It's almost like, um, what do you call it? Homeopathy. Right. <laughs> you know, like maybe similar roots of yes. those ideas. Only, like a, only a real tiny bit of what will kill you exactly. <laughs> will not yeah. kill you. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Okay. So that was, that was even quite that a was, bit ago. Yeah, that was quite a bit ago. So, um, so yeah, we, we think of the first like sort of scientific planning out thinking as Edward Jenner. Um, but then like almost a hundred years later, there's Louis Pasteur. Mm-hmm. And Louis Pasteur, I would say, he's the guy that I look to as, okay, now we're talking about the very beginning of the germ theory of disease. Mm-hmm. Um, now people are isolating causative agents, mm-hmm. like actually finding the virus that causes a disease. Or sometimes it's a bacterium. And they would grow it up in the lab and study how it infected organisms, right? So this is what Louis Pasteur was doing with chickens and cholera. And so I think maybe that was the first, like, really planned out we have this thing that causes disease and we're going to study mm-hmm. it and These little critters little <laughs> and the world is <laughs> right. like we're well, crazy. i don't really what believe you, you right things that we can't <laughs> no, see that we can't see that's bananas because right. there was this at the time there was this competing theory of miasma have you heard right. of this miasma like, like, like a fluid like, oh, well, it, was, it meant like bad air bad or like air. gross gross dirty little things were in the right. air just magically bad right well you know people could smell like when you went to a place where there was a lot of sickness it Mm -hmm. smelled rotten Mm -hmm. and so they had this idea that you know wasn't totally crazy yes there are dead and decaying things there Mm -hmm. um and it actually did help to stay away from areas Mm. infection that smelled bad but the causation (laughs) is the reverse right Right, exactly the smell is the result of the yeah yeah, Mm -hmm. the causative agent so um there is this really funny little anecdote about Pasteur that he had an assistant who was growing up this cholera for him. And um, he went away on vacation, I don't know, very French. <laughs> and um, <laughs> he, uh, he, he forgot about his culture, his, uh, his cholera culture. And by the time he came back, it was sort of a, wheaten, a weakened cholera. Mm-hmm. And he went ahead and he, he infected the chickens as usual, you know, to see. They were looking at how the disease progressed. And the chickens you know, still got a little bit sick, but they recovered. And, um, and thereafter, they couldn't be infected with cholera. And he confessed to Pasteur what he had done, uh, that he, you know, this is actually not a good culture. But Pasteur, thankfully, realized that, oh, this could actually be really useful. Mm-hmm. You know, so then they started this idea of an attenuated virus. You could do something to mm-hmm. weaken it 
and then use that as an inoculation. How did that culture get weakened? I think the idea was that it wasn't getting properly fed or it wasn't. Okay, so the like nutrients. When, the nutrients, right. Yeah, like when you actually try and grow up cultures, um, you know, you, you usually have to nurse them along. Mm-hmm. You have to, you know, clean out fluid and give them fresh fluid and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and so we got this idea of attenuation. What it, what's that mean? So it, it just literally that, just weakened. In weakened, some way, you know? yeah. yeah. Um, there there are other ways you can do it. So like in cell culture, you do it maybe by exposing it to certain chemicals or temperature changes. Mm-hmm. Um, but before you know, tissue culture was really a thing. Um, they used to do it by passing it through other animals, and that's what um, Pasteur did for rabies. So. You know, rabies affects humans, it affects dogs, Mm -hmm. um, various other animals. He took rabies vaccine, or sorry, he took rabies and inoculated um, rabbits Mm -hmm. and allowed it to propagate in rabbits. And the idea is that the virus, uh, viruses mutate very rapidly, although, you know, they didn't know anything about the genetic code, but this is is what we know now. Um, The virus is mutating and it's becoming more used to living in a rabbit right more mm-hmm. adapted to living in a rabbit sort of modifying its exterior to suit the enzymes and whatever yeah. that are in a rabbit exactly yeah human. right right better to live with those cells okay. better to live with that metabolism um, better to evade that immune system right and now if you take that uh, rabies and inoc- and uh, inject it into a dog it's no longer able to evade the dog's immune system so well anymore. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, it, it can be used as a vaccine in a, in a dog mm-hmm. or a human. So uh, okay. so that would be another example of an attenuated virus. Mm-hmm. Okay. Weakened or even just altered. Yeah. Not necessarily weakened, but just... Right. Yeah. Sp- yeah. We became... refer to it as weakened, right. but yeah, it just yeah. for those purposes. Yeah. Interesting. And, yeah. and, and, f- and pretty fascinating that all of this is being done without really any underlying understanding absolutely genetics i know yeah you think back and it really wasn't that long that uh, long ago that Mm -hmm. people really didn't understand that there was a genetic basis for a lot of this Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so now now things are rolling the wheels are turning we're just we're we're, we've got a checklist and we're just going one by one right we're just doing all these that's right yeah so one by one they figured out you know the causative agent for all of these different diseases Mm -hmm. um so you know we mentioned cholera um which is which is astonishing because like cholera like no who gets cholera nobody gets cholera <laughs> not anymore but one day people got cholera <laughs> all the time so when, when yes it, like whole yeah. whole villages would be laid low by exactly. cholera it <laughs> yes. kind of makes me laugh like the you know the whole mentality of <laughs> that like western medicine doesn't do this doesn't do that whatever it is it's like you you aren't unfamiliar with its achievements because those diseases (laughs) no longer exist (laughs) if we had this during the black death or the plague Yes. Like we, you know, <laughs> I know. where like All of half of the people poor died. ancestors, <laughs> you know? what they had to deal with. Right. I mean, even not that long ago with the flu, the 1918 flu, this, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. crazy epidemic. And I have friends who don't think flu is that serious. Right. You know? <laughs> I, it's all I can do not to just grab them by the collar and say flu is a killer. Flu mm-hmm. is a killer. What are you doing? We are so lucky yeah. to be able to take 
a vaccine against these things right. rather than take our chances with the actual disease. Absolutely. Yeah. And we don't even know what those prior uh, epidemics were uh, right. hundreds of years ago. Right. right, what, right. Could they even have been? We just will never know. Just people were like, everyone's dying. We have no idea why. <laughs> I, I think it's demons. It's, just, it's so terribly Almost sad. positive it's demons. <laughs> right. But, um, but you know, that, that brings up an interesting point is that, uh, you know, how much, how much more... I don't know, sort of superstitious are we that mm-hmm. I think a, back then people were pretty content to let things be in God's hands or something right. like this, you know, that there was a certain amount of control that they let go. Mm-hmm. And they knew that, well, there was a pretty good chance that your child would die from something mm-hmm. and that you would die from something. And now I think we have this illusion of control, you mm-hmm. know, and we, we decide that, well, I get to choose whether I'm going to take this vaccine or another or and I feel pretty good about my choice, and now I'm I'm in control of the situation. But mm-hmm. you're really not, you know. You're just you're really still at the mercy of chance. Mm-hmm. You know, are you going to get exposed to this disease, and are you going to survive it? Right, or a new one. Yes. Or a modified, yeah. Right, right. Which is why we got to stay on top of it. We yes. Research these things. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, so where are we at in the timeline now? We were Louis Pasteur was what late 18th, so early was, 19th century. Yeah, late 1800s. Um, and so now. If we start talking about um, the early 1900s, okay. um, notice that uh, there were all these diseases at this point that were addressed, um, sort of uh, one by one vaccines arrived at, and these were bacterial uh, diseases for mm-hmm. the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, so things like diphtheria, you mentioned the plague earlier, um, tuberculosis. Um, so at some point, um, you know, people find each causative agent, they grow it up in bacterial culture, and they experiment with creating a bacterial-based vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, it was harder for them to do this for uh, viral-caused uh, diseases. Um, but starting in the um, 1913, about that, so early 1900s, they did come up with a way of reliably growing vaccines in culture. And then that made it easy to, well, not I don't want to say easy, no, but much easier to start to address the viral caused diseases other than in the ways of say what Pasteur did where he was passing it through animals mm-hmm. um, you know you could actually do um, more carefully controlled experiments in tissue culture so was the delay here just just strictly based on the on the size of the organism like like oh, we, we, we figured really out interesting bacteria idea. first it and could then be because it was, later, yeah, so it was tiny, I, you know i i'm actually not sure i'd have to look into the history there mm-hmm. but i know that um for me personally growing bacteria was just way easier like mm-hmm. They're, mm-hmm. they're just easier organisms to deal with and you they can just kind of do their thing they do their thing that viruses the, need they need a lot more babying and yes right. they need host cells and mm-hmm. uh yeah, it, it was always trickier to grow like a viral culture, I found. Mm-hmm. And so I imagine it was sort of technical issues to a large degree, just mm-hmm. figuring out how do you keep this alive in mm-hmm. a culture and t- so you can actually study it isolated. Okay. Well, yeah. speak, speaking of cultures then, let, let's just do a, a very brief uh, overview of like th- how vaccines work on, like, on a mechanistic level. What's sure. going on physically, yeah. molecularly? What are they doing? Yeah, no, I, I, I think that would really help people understand, mm-hmm. you know, if, yeah. if they understood that really what we're doing is we're imitating your natural immune response. Mm-hmm. So if you get exposed to a disease, um, let's say 
you get a cut and there's a bacterial cell that gets under your skin. Um, The first thing that's going to happen is um, you're going to have an innate immune response. You're going to get sort of red and swelling at that area. Inflammation. Inflammation, yes. And so your innate um, immunity, these cells that respond to anything that's foreign, sort of rush to the area. Mm And they eat up the invader as right. much as they can. They go, you're right? not. You this, don't belong you're here. You're not supposed to be in the right. here. Right. And we're going to kill you. Exactly. And so they will treat anything foreign like that. They'll, they'll eat it. They'll chop it up. And then, <laughs> this is kind of funny, they um, they display a little bit of what they've eaten on their surface. It's mm-hmm. like the grizzly remains. Of, you know, here's my right. trophy. So these are surface proteins. Surface right? these proteins. These are proteins right. that are yeah. uh, projecting from the surface of the bacterium or or virion. Right. And they sort of somehow it it's now stuck on the. These are antibodies or what are these? So no. Um. So this is something that your body does. It it produces a, a sort of a display platform called a major histocompatibility complex, mm-hmm. and Anything that it's eaten, it can take a little piece of that and put it on top of the MHC, sort of like a little flag. Mm -hmm. And so now these innate immune cells can travel around in your body and advertise this invader to all the other immune cells. Look out for this guy. Look out. Yes, it's like a wanted poster, right? right? And thankfully, those, you know, are really good at patrolling your body and your immune cells are good at sharing information. It's looking for, I mean, I'm I'm anthropomorphizing here a little bit, but... uh, what we are lucky that happens is that a B cell or a T cell or both that are very specific for that foreign organism are going to see that little flag and they'll say, oh, that's the guy I'm looking for. That's mm-hmm. my special guy. Mm-hmm. Right. So this all, is in the bloodstream this is in, or, or in the lymph sometimes the as lymph. well. Yeah. Okay. So your immune cells cycle through your lymph, the lymphatic system, which is sort of like a parallel circulatory system. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they're also in the bloodstream as well. Um and your B cells and T cells are constantly patrolling, looking for foreign invaders as well. But they are very specific. Mm-hmm. You know, one B cell will be very specific to for this one, one kind of bacteria. Antigen, or, yes, yeah. an antigen, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, an antigen is a foreign, like, little tag that a B cell mm-hmm. or a T cell one will of recognize. These proteins. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so let's say you've been exposed to. Oh, like plague, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and um, so you have a little sore, your body takes care of it. Hopefully, we're really lucky. We're the survivors of the plague or the descendants right. of the survivors. and <laughs> We have a good chance we're mm-hmm. going to survive the plague. And um, we probably have B cells and T cells that recognize the plague. So now it's going to recognize that and it's going to keep the memory of this event. So your B cells and T cells have a way of creating a very long-lived version of one of their cells, a memory B cell Mm -hmm. or a memory T cell. And those last for a very long time, hopefully your whole life, but maybe not, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. 50 years. And the next time you're infected, that memory cell is able to very rapidly recognize this foreign antigen, replicate itself, make an army of cells just like it, Mm -hmm. and then destroy the invader. So in the case of B cells, that means making antibodies. Uh, that's really good for bacterial infections, for mm-hmm. instance. Um, coating the bacteria and then more of these macrophages or innate cells can run over, eat it up. That's it. Invader destroyed, mm-hmm. right? Um, for cells that get infected by a virus, that's when they're more dependent upon T cells. Mm-hmm. Um, and T cells are good at killing off cells that are infected by something. So we're really reliant on those two kinds of memory cells. Mm-hmm. Totally different because one, you got to kill 
a foreign thing, but then the the with the virus, you have to kill your own. Kill cells. your own cell, yeah. But you gotta know <laughs> that there's something going on the in there. The cell must be sacrificed. You gotta know <laughs> yes. which one the alien has uh, implanted the, the exactly. worm in there. Right. I mean, it's terrible, but yes, that's mm-hmm. what we're relying on our our killer T cells to do. They they kill off mm-hmm. all the infected cells. So that's the like the normal state of affairs, right? right. That's normal natural immunity. With vaccines, we are harnessing that mechanism, mm-hmm. uh, but it's much much safer than the actual you know, facing the disease itself. Um, In the case of a vaccine, you take a little portion of the the causative agent, you know, like let's say you take a bacterial cell, you chop it up and you get a little bit of the coat of the bacterial protein. Mm -hmm. Um, You could use that as a vaccine potentially. Mm -hmm. You don't necessarily have to inject the whole bacteria, even if it's killed, right? Um, The very safest kind of vaccines could be made from just a portion of the outside of a virus, or right? A portion of the Just outside the of the bacteria itself, exactly, right? Because the <clears throat> the, bot, the immune system will still recognize it as foreign, yes. and do all these things, but right. there is no bacterium itself that exactly. will Nothing, multiply and yes. do you know and become an infection, right? Nothing that would actually cause the mm-hmm. disease. So, in that respect, you get all the benefit. You get the benefit of this memory system, mm-hmm. right? You get the benefit of the patrolling cells on the lookout for. Yeah this invader if you ever happen to run into the real guy mm-hmm. um it's as can... though we're deliberately instructing the immune system to prepare for something specific that may happen soon exactly that's exactly right which is yeah. remarkable i know <laughs> like i think of this i think god this is genius give all the vaccines to me right. <laughs> you know i i'm so happy this exists and when you hear mm-hmm. the story of like how this works it's like oh, of course it works of course it works yeah Thank God. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that I think that is uh, ignorance of the of how the immune system works must be at the heart of any distrust of vaccines. I mean, I, later we'll I get into like so. the whole the argument with the additives and the different things that go in there. Right. That, that should be talked about as well. Yes. But I, I, I sometimes I wonder what people envision we're doing with the vaccines. That's a really good question. Yes. Um, I, I would love to be able to talk to someone who is like genuinely vaccine reluctant. Mm-hmm. Um, almost everyone I've spoken to who has, you know, issues, they are more concerned with, oh, it doesn't make me feel very good or something like that. Right. You know, like I, I would rather not take the chance, even though they don't know what the chance is mm-hmm. um, of something bad happening. Right. So. I mean, so certainly there are those people who find it to be a mildly discomforting experience. Yes. And, <laughs> yes. Okay, fine. <laughs> right. Yes. But there definitely well, is a much deeper paranoia for a small circle. Of I think so. People. Yes. There are some people who are, they genuinely think something terrible could happen to them or to their children if they got a vaccine. Right. And um, they're, you know, there simply is not evidence of that happening. Right. And so it's very disturbing to think that there are people spreading these rumors that it has such a terrible fallout for life in our society, basically. Like, mm-hmm. now we are faced with these dangers again that we really didn't have to worry about for Since decades. Since, like, the 50s, yeah. Yes, exactly. I mean, prior to that, certainly, but then yes. it seemed like we 
It seemed like we had conquered it. We, we, largely. Yes, like it's now safe for us all to live together in cities and we don't have to worry right. about spreading disease because we live in, you know, close contact with each other. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it had to, it had to come in conjunction with, you know, urbanization, but right. it, yeah, it's, it's remarkable to me. I, I look at, uh, I look at the 20th century and I, it's just mind boggling how much science progressed in one century. Like, you look at prior to the 20th century mm-hmm. and we just barely even we we kind of didn't even know that there were atoms I know, <laughs> until the I know, 20th century. Right. no my parents right. grew up in the great depression mm-hmm. and so you can just imagine what it was like for me to be trained as a molecular biologist in the right. 1980s 1990s <laughs> compared with my parents exposure to science when they were kids in school like there was just none of Minimal. this information out there right. at all yeah, and so with all of these, you know, given that a field like molecular biology literally didn't exist right. until the middle of the 20th century, yes. and then all of these things and all of, uh, all of this progress, and the scientific community is enjoying that growth, and society is enjoying the, the, the fruits of that labor, but the general public is not obviously able to keep up right. with what's going on. Uh, conceptually. Yes, and and for sure people have fallen down on the job Mm -hmm. in terms of science communication and, you know, how fast can we percolate these ideas into, you know, even just at the public high school level, at the college level, Mm -hmm. you know, you you shouldn't have to be majoring in biology to be exposed to these basic ideas. Everyone should have a basic, yeah, and I mean, especially with something like the immune system that is so overwhelmingly complicated, even to somebody Mm -hmm. that's studying it in an academic context, it's, it's really hard to take something that complex and sort of give everyone the gist. Right. It, you know. it really is. It's tricky because you can't just tell part of the story and mm-hmm. have it make sense. You know, yeah. so it's really hard to tell it at a very basic level. You're going to have to take at least, you know, right. can, can someone give me 20 to 30 minutes of their attention? And that's exactly. a big ask. It is a big <laughs> you know? ask. Because so, yeah. as you said earlier, when you when you felt that you were anthropomorphizing something, yes. that's the, that's what ends up happening when, you, when you're talking about things uh, on the cellular level or the molecular level. Yes. You, when you cannot, like when you can't really talk about the mechanism because you're like you would have to talk about these these protein uh, in interactions and you have to talk DNA right. and like and get really really, really deep into, into it and what are the odds right. of the interactions happening and how many signals are required exactly. and, <laughs> and you, you got to yeah. understand organic chemistry and biochemistry and and uh, otherwise yes. in absence of that it, they seem the cells and the molecules and the proteins seem like little people that they are do. doing their with motivations jobs. exactly <laughs> yes so that's that's always a challenge <laughs> but i mean going on into the distrust we were starting to talk about about that where what are some of the causes of that i know mm-hmm. that there's a famous study that is cited very frequently mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where where did this come from who are the culprits um where, where where did that all start okay so um there was this fellow named andrew wakefield who published a study in um in lancet and he's considered quite the villain of um, right. of this story because he faked his data and mm-hmm. he spread this very dangerous idea that there was some connection between kids developing uh, symptoms of autism right. and uh, receiving the MMR vaccine. So this um, this was uh, this this is yeah, the so 90s. Yeah, this was I in the from... this was in the 90s, mm-hmm. right? And um, people immediately started responding to this idea, you know, investigating it. And um, one one possible idea that people had was that there was some 
a problem with the preservatives used to mm-hmm. keep the keep the vials of vaccine uncontaminated, mm-hmm. right? Um, and one of the preservatives that people used was the Marisol, which is a methyl derivative. You know, it's a um, it's something that metabolizes to ethyl mercury in mm-hmm. your body. Um, and so people thought, okay, well, just in case that's a problem, let's take out this preservative. And so we have some very good early data from the response to this situation. Um, Denmark was one of the first countries to respond in this way. Um, but immediately it became evident that, oh, taking out this preservative has no effect. In fact, you know, the cases of autism continue to rise in this country. Mm-hmm. So it didn't matter if kids were vaccinated. It didn't matter if kids were vaccinated with or without this preservative, mm-hmm. autism is on the rise and it doesn't seem yeah. to be connected to or, or vaccines perhaps, in any way. Or perhaps diagnosis of autism is absolutely. on the rise, right? I mean, absolutely. I, I yeah. think that a lot of people that were autistic 50 years ago were just weird. And they were yes. like, don't worry about that person that's a right. weirdo. I know. it's you know people, I mean? people would have one child in the family that was a little different and they didn't really talk about it. Um, or in extreme cases, yeah. sometimes they were institutionalized, you know. Because um, because what ha- what could be the link? It's very difficult to understand. I, yeah, no, I, I don't really get why people thought that, mm-hmm. except for maybe a coincidence in the appearance of maybe some of the more dramatic um, symptoms. Right. You know, so D- at the time when vaccinations at the time when you receive most place. of your vaccines, right? And then I mean, we could have some confirmation bias there because I, I definitely have read some stories online or heard some people on YouTube that are like, the day we got back from vaccines, yes. he was totally different and it's mm. like are, are you sure I i'm know. not sure if that's true i think you're just trying your brain is trying to like put it somewhere yes i i do think once again we're coming back to this idea of control like you mm. wish there was a way you could control this situation and right. you don't want to think to yourself there's a certain chance that my child could develop a really serious disease there's a mm-hmm. chance that there's something in our genetic makeup that gives us. It's very likely Correct. that our child will be autistic. I mean, we, we would know? have to we would have to do a very big tangent into what autism is. But yes. is it not largely genetic or entirely genetic? Yeah. So I believe the the most recent study suggests that about sixty five percent of uh, people with autism have a very close relative who is also autistic. Mm-hmm. So um, we're starting to identify some genetic links between you know, developing these issues and, you know, familial issues that you have actually inherited. Mm-hmm. Um, it remains to be seen, are there other precipitating events that make it more likely for someone in your family to develop autism? But um, it's been pretty carefully studied over and over that whatever it is, it's not vaccines, right. you know. Yeah. It ha- I mean, how could some agent modify right right especially you know it, it if there is a modifying agent it probably happens during development you mm-hmm. know during actual fetal development mm-hmm. and so you need to look earlier and potentially look for other epigenetic factors you know what happened to your father what happened to your mother what is the state of the sperm and egg basically mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, so okay, there was the autism study. Now, what happened with that though? Because right, we did more studies, and ever and the scientific community right. is like, do not trust. Do not this trust study. this guy, right? So the the paper was um, withdrawn from Lancet, mm-hmm. um, both by you know the people who submitted it and the paper itself. The magazine itself says, do not pay attention to this. Um, the doctor Wakefield lost his license. Um, 
and yet I think people took the idea and ran with it and it's really hard to put that genie back in the bottle it's really hard to you know tell people don't look at that (laughs) you know don't look at that thing don't talk about that thing which is fascinating how damaging something like that can be just uh, is it is it that uh, I, I think more often than not with stuff like this that's not true it just matches a narrative that people like and mm. this just sort of overpowers any ability to reason with somebody. They're yes. just like, I believe that the world is this way, and I, this confirms it. I think you're so right. What I think, you're saying is meaningless. Yes, I think they found that story satisfying for some reason. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really think they wanted to feel like there's something I can do to prevent my child from developing autism or some other issue. You know, they, you hear a lot of talk about toxins and I don't know really what they mean about toxins right. but um, I think they really do imagine there's this sort of unknown set of dangers out there and there are some concrete things they want to be able to do to help protect their mm-hmm. kids and the sad thing is yes we have concrete things you could do to protect your kids you could vaccinate them right, right. you know like that's the best thing ever yeah. you could do for your kid to make sure they don't have like seizures from fever or you know like any mm-hmm. number of bad things can happen from getting diseases yeah and i mean the they're not wrong that there are uh substances that are harmful in the world but oh yes it's very misdirected the way people try to identify and categorize them like yes. anything synthetic right is a toxin or something right but it's yeah. just a very misled way of looking at the molecular world but we can't really i don't know it's it's hard to convince people otherwise without teaching them chemistry yes and exactly most people don't want to learn chemistry no yeah but, uh, so. yeah think think of this that you know we're telling people don't eat so much fish because it has mercury in it right mm-hmm. but it's a different kind of mercury it's methyl mercury mm-hmm. and methyl mercury does accumulate in your body and it takes quite a long time for it to to leave your body mm-hmm. um, but then we turn around and say oh no the mercury in vaccines is fine well, it is. It's ethyl mercury, and that right. you know goes right out of your body. And Forget it. So you <laughs> like, drop the M. I know. What's the difference? Right. Exactly. So unless you've yeah. studied chemistry along with like biochemistry, and you know, you're just not going to quite. It's not yeah. going to be as believable. I guess. My, my classic example for that is uh, sodium toxic metal, chlorine toxic yeah. gas, sodium chloride, <laughs> table salt. Right. No, delicious. And that's not even you know those are not isomers. This is just an electron transfer, and you've got. Yes. Uh, it's just. Uh, right no chemistry is magic right (laughs) yeah but yeah you have to be willing to go that extra mile if you're gonna make all sorts of claims about chemicals being toxic like just do a little due diligence and Mm -hmm. look up the chemical you're talking about you know just read about it you can read in any textbook about Mm -hmm. these things you know absolutely or 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 you know ideally try to recognize that the thing you're talking about and the thing that it is are not the same and and if you don't study chemistry it's like well what's the difference it's like well it's different it's a different (laughs) molecule so it's not it's not that one you know I don't know. <laughs> it's tough. Yeah. I, I hope that, you know, we're both in the science communication business. I really hope that this issue will be helped by people making connections with the public. That mm-hmm. um, it, I hope they see the face of someone like me. I mean, I was in biological research for 16 years. I hope they would look at me and say, this is a a well-meaning person. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have no 
ill will towards people. I don't want to poison them. I don't want to harm them. I, I want to help figure out what is causing disease, especially like I studied autoimmune disease. And so what is your body doing turning on itself? There are just thousands of people just like me, you know, mm -hmm. trying to figure out disease and trying to help people. Right. Why in the world would we, you know, turn around and do something nefarious? It just doesn't even make sense. Because you all work for the government. Oh, no. And the government is bad. <laughs> no. You know, and, uh, I mean, so here's the thing. I was in both academia and in uh, pharmaceuticals. Right virtually the same you know like the the motivation is virtually the same in all of the labs that i've ever been in mm -hmm. it's um the search for discovery of new knowledge right you know just one is a little more profit oriented a than little the other, bit a but... little bit well, yeah and it's a little more fast-paced yeah. and so if if something's not paying off you're right. like okay we're moving on but, <laughs> but but i think people neglect to understand that in order to profit you have to create a useful drug for know? sure yes so yeah th th this idea that uh you know again going back to the distrust that pharma is like you we're gonna make everyone take vaccines so that we make money it's oh like, my god how, where, like, yeah is how much money is being made it's not very right. much i can yeah. tell you it's the funniest right. thing yeah so like vaccines are not where the money is in pharmaceuticals like mm -hmm. you take a vaccine maybe once or twice in your life and you're done right yeah. um because they work uh you know we don't have to keep using them over and over um yeah the argument that the, that pharma will not cure diseases is it doesn't hold any water because there's all these no. diseases that used to exist that don't exist anymore right like oh gosh we should have what are we thinking we should have come up with a treatment for polio instead or, right, exactly. <laughs> you know yeah. oh my god mm -hmm. no yeah the real money would be in things like you know diabetes or uh, rogaine you know something like this sure, that sure. you know it, so I, I can't imagine people are looking at vaccines and saying ha ha money money <laughs> you know right. that's just not not the case at yeah. all yeah and i mean if somebody makes an incredible drug that cures some terrible affliction and mm -hmm. they make a lot of money off of it sure i mean yes yeah. no problem but, i um, i have no problem with that especially given the you know the risks involved mm -hmm. in pharmaceuticals like most drugs do not make it to market yeah. you know and so you're investing billions of dollars and most of those bets don't pay right. off actually. again people not understanding chemistry or the nature of of chemical synthesis or drug right. development oh my gosh prevents them from understanding why that profit margin is so much different yes in that industry because you can spend a, a billion dollars <laughs> yes and come up with nothing nothing right you know, there's no get, other industry where you, you can spend that much right. and come up with literally nothing yeah so that's yeah. yeah but but thank god for them like wh mm -hmm. where would we be if people were not trying to make drugs you know we would be still Absolutely. i don't know wearing well, mustard poultices or something many many know? many of us would be dead yes that's for sure right oh i would be absolutely yeah. oh my god life expected i mean i got i got pneumonia twice as a kid me i'd too. probably be dead me too oh yeah. my yeah <laughs> <laughs> or you know chicken pox i so i was in part of the last generation to get chicken pox i got chicken pox did you okay yeah, yeah. so we must be you know, some of the last and <laughs> everyone in my school got it except for four kids oh wow and there were so many kids that were just deathly ill you know and um i remember it being pretty crappy i think it was, I was horrible i must have been five so mm -hmm. i was not really like you know I don't know. The, the memories are pretty, yeah, pretty I, thin. But. I, was, I was six, and I can remember not being able to sleep for like two weeks, just yeah. being in so much pain. And I have all these scars. I don't know if you can see this, but like mm -hmm. I have scars right up next to my eyes oh, from wow. it. And, and then even better, you know, bonus, when I was like 11, it came back and I got shingles. Oh, my so, God. So, yeah. <laughs> Look, I was super lucky. I got it on my side. Mm -hmm. But then later, a friend of mine in high school got it on her face. 
you know, oh, like geez. right across her eye, she could have gone blind. Like, you know, there's all these unimagined consequences of this. Mm-hmm. You know, the, people say, oh, chickenpox, it's nothing. It's a kid's disease. It's deadly serious. Yeah. And so that you went know? away because we, because we, you would hope, but, but there are lots of people who refuse to give their mm-hmm. kids the vaccine. And I'd like to take them and say, look, would you like this to happen to your kid? Like, mm-hmm. I've got permanent nerve damage from shingles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that is not oh fun. God. That is just not yeah. fun. I, you know, I wish I could have had the vaccine. I really do. Now, what what's next? Can we can we vaccinate? I mean, what could we get rid of? Could we get rid of AIDS? Could we get rid of what what, yeah, what could that's, happen? Yeah, that's the dream, right? I mm-hmm. so yes, people are absolutely working on vaccines for every kind of disease-causing agent you can imagine. Mm-hmm. And so it takes a lot of research to figure out like what is a reliable vaccine, especially when you think about um say viruses that mutate quickly, maybe either you have to um, find a different vaccine every time it mutates mm-hmm. in a dramatic way. Which is what we do for the flu, For right? the flu, exactly. Because, yeah. yeah, and there it's a big gamble every year. You right. know, what are the major strains? And so we we take a bet, you know, we make a bet and we mm-hmm. make vaccines for the major strains. And sometimes we win and sometimes we lose. And they all say, why do I have to get it every year? Yes. Because <laughs> I don't understand how <laughs> right, virology it's, works. It's mutating. Right. Um, or, you know, for some things we're really aiming for what is the part of vaccine, the, sorry, what is the part of the virus that is not rapidly changing? Like, can we find some element that mm-hmm, your mm-hmm. immune system would recognize, but, you know, it, it isn't changing as rapidly? Like a surface protein that is not necessarily intimately linked with the mechanism of the recognition. Exactly. So that one's not the one that's mutating as rapidly or something like that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Something like that. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, so I think people are always they're trying new strategies all the mm-hmm. time to have a more effective vaccine, a more reliable vaccine, one that will last the, you know, the test, the test of time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, that is, it's just medicine is the most incredible field. I just, I think <laughs> it's so unbelievable that we number one, understand how the human body works to that degree. Right. And number two can come up with these strategies, you know, whether it's, you know, whether it's vaccines or, or drug development and inventing a molecule out of thin air <laughs> that is going to interact with this enzyme in this way and do these things. Yeah. It's right. Just, uh, no, it, it's, it's amazing to me. I feel like, um, I feel very grateful that I had a chance to work in pharmaceuticals and Mm -hmm. to be a part of that kind of, you know, back in the day, they called it rational drug design, where it was sort of thought experiments, you know, well, I think I understand how these molecules interact. And so I think I can find a way to interact with it as well. And this disease is happening because this, uh, this enzyme is, is performing gene expression and when it's not supposed to so if we put a little thing in there it's going to stop it and then you right, know, it's right like, it becomes a, a big rube goldberg machine and it's, yeah, <laughs> yes. it's, it's, it's just magic i mean it yeah it makes me want you know i look at the rise of alt health and uh i just i wish that i could sort of transport or you know just bestow everyone with my wonder and amazement of yeah medicine uh, as a field and go look this is what you're doing this is what science is doing. Right. It's incredible. I know. You I just, look at yes. It. And, you know, I, I think if people really understood it, they'd be overwhelmed with gratitude and, yeah. and they would want to do their part as well. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I think there is room for citizen science and there's room for things like, oh, well, maybe if lots of people in my family have this disease, maybe I should get my gene sequenced and see if I can contribute in some way. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that's a personal choice for everyone, but... I think, you know, the doors are opening for that type of inquiry as well. Mm-hmm. 
Now, now for those who are, for whatever reason, unable to uh, get on the get on the bus, so to speak, do do you think that the law intervenes? Vaccines uh, must be enforced by mm. law. Is this? Do you think? I, yeah, I, that is a tricky subject, isn't it? I yeah. personally, I would say yes. I'm I'm yeah. on. I fall on that side of the line that your personal freedoms are absolutely important. Um, <laughs> that's, you know, I, I am an American through and through. I mm -hmm. really am serious about personal freedom. But mm -hmm. when my personal freedom interferes with yours, when you are now at risk because of what I'm doing, that's right. no way. You know, I don't get to speed down the street and risk your life. You know, I don't right. get to set a fire in my backyard, <laughs> you know, that's and risk true. your life. Yeah, I mean, that we can mm -hmm. put a box around freedom in that way right. if, we, if we refer to it as the freedom to do as you please without, harm, without potentially harming others. Right. That is why we have a speed limit on the freeway. That is right. why we have laws that pre prevent you from you know, a fire or whatever, whatever yeah, you know, people burning, about, right? burning leaves in their backyard or whatever. Sure. Uh, and, you know, I mean, I think it really gets sticky when you think about what do you do for your kids? You know, mm -hmm. where do you draw the line for people with kids? Because absolutely they make the medical decisions for their children. But if you are now exposing your children to risk, right? like Christian science, exactly. Should be illegal to practice on to practice your children for your child for your yeah child, to make children, that yeah. decision which for i think your it is child. right i think i think so when it's yeah. in extremis you know like mm -hmm. when the child's life is in danger right. i think yes. it's like sorry i if <laughs> yeah. you don't want to take medicine Great. that's fine yes that's your choice but that's not you it's a different human right. yes it's not your property with rights of their own yeah, absolutely yes yeah it's it, it it is so hard like i want to be as sympathetic as possible because i can see how from a viewpoint that does not have the benefit of any scientific understanding that it just feels like an orwellian dystopian the government is yes, gonna put they're stuff gonna in you feed and you with soma every day and now I, you're a yeah, zombie yes <laughs> i a little bit see that i a little bit see like the movie brazil or like you know we're yes. just like it, it, i can see how sure. they feel that yes, way yes yeah and uh, you know but, conspiracy theories are are great fun mm -hmm. and some of them are probably true yeah but <laughs> as an insider in right. bio <laughs> biological research i can tell you this is not you it can vouch you know for this, this, one. Is, this is not this is not what's going on right yeah no x-files here I think in just a systematic way to do just a few things. Number one, um, do our best to invalidate that study, that one study. Yeah. Try to like take every bit of evidence that they try to put forward and sort of deconstruct it. Mm. And while at the same time, just offer the most basic resources that can show with, with some depth, mm -hmm. uh, this is what the immune system does mm -hmm. this is what vaccines do so when you get a disease all this stuff happens when we use a vaccine it tricks it into doing all that stuff yes and in 10 minutes 20 minutes you're still asking for a lot but you know I, that's what i think we're both trying to do with our lives here for as, sure as science communicators yes absolutely mm -hmm. i and and it is it is rewarding to think that we might be having a small impact. Mm -hmm. I, I had a serious conversation with one of my friends the other day explaining, because, you know, I, I knew I was coming on your podcast and I wanted to, you know, find out, do I know anyone who's reluctant for vaccines? Right. And I had a serious discussion with my one friend who doesn't like to get the flu vaccine because, mm -hmm. you know, she said she, she feels bad afterwards. She feels sore mm -hmm. um, and just yucky. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, uh, I think I was able to actually get through to her because, mm -hmm. you know, it, 
she was willing to take the time and sit with me and listen right. and ask questions yeah. and, and have her be heard. Yes. People just want to be heard. Yes, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Unheard and understood. Yeah. yeah. With no condescension. Right. right. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, I think, I definitely think science communication is making an impact. I think that we sort of just have to accept that there's like a, like a one, maybe not even a full generation, but like a partial generation mm. gap oh. where just sort of, uh, that attitude took hold mm-hmm. and a certain percentage of people are just maybe not going to be reachable. But kids today, mm-hmm. I think, are growing up with a with a better view of science and the scientific process I than think so. many people our age. Yes, I think so. Yeah, I, I know I, I certainly didn't grow up with a picture of science as being warm and welcoming and mm-hmm. inviting to a, a wide variety of different people. And right. I it wasn't really sold to me in any way. Like it was it was left up to me to just discover mm-hmm. it on my own. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot more outreach efforts now. Um, yeah. and explaining like, these are real people doing this work. Like we're, it's a very yeah. human pursuit. Yeah. I really love, I mean, we, we are a certain kind of psychomer. I also like the psychomers that are just scientists that are like, this is what I did in the lab today. Yep. This, yep. Very matter of fact. This yeah. is what it's like to be a biologist. <laughs> exactly. Uh, if you want to be one, you totally can. <laughs> yes. I know you don't have to be, this. you don't have to be a super genius. No. You don't have to, you know, come from any specific background. You, really. It is accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, you do just have to, you know, put in the time and study yeah yeah it helps if you you know if you study a little math too <laughs> you know yeah, a little bit of math <laughs> although biology what do you really need algebra <laughs> uh, you know i i think i used some partial differential equations in a biology, little bit really? yes <laughs> i didn't use any of that in chemistry <laughs> right and yeah. even use calculus yeah. Where, where did you use it in biology? So, you know, when you're looking at rates of change of things, mm-hmm. um, it's important to be able to track all sorts of different variables. And mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. That, that's the idea. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess I forgot my kinetics <laughs> class. Maybe <laughs> right. we did some of those in yes. there. Well, you have to also remember that um, the school I went to was super technical. And mm-hmm. every time I signed up for a biology class, there was a very good chance it would secretly be a physics class. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, I, I think I was started down that pathway okay. early on. Yeah. Honestly, I said, ugh, but that's obviously, I mean, that's a, that's a good <laughs> thing. I mean, it is a good thing, yeah. People can understand biology on that level. That, right, uh, absolutely. It's it's actually physics, yes. and physics is actually math. <laughs> yeah, and don't skip <laughs> yeah. chemistry. chemistry right, no, yeah. chemistry, absolutely essential. Yeah. Very important. I, I love <laughs> that. I mean, as I, I've, I've definitely transitioned into being a generalist, and so I'm... Yeah, me I, too. I, yeah, we're, we're kind of just, like, getting these, like, basic understandings of all these peripheral fields and yes. just the, the the ladder of complexity emerges like now that i have a basic understanding of um you know bi- uh, biology biochemistry uh, organic chemistry chemistry physics math it's just like it's this gradient it is of yes knowledge. and i can sort of see it all each tier emerge from the prior and right. it's like oh my god uh, this is I unbelievable know. i know yeah. it's it's incredible mm-hmm. um i don't think i was receptive to that idea when i was younger like let's say when i was in college you wanted I, to specify i wanted to yeah i wanted mm-hmm. to be highly specific and well which honestly if yeah. you want to contribute to a field there, you, you really cannot do. be yeah. a generalist like, that's true I'm, you keep drilling down yeah. drilling down until at some point i think i talked to like 50 scientists in the world and that was it like that was my niche right, <laughs> right? Exactly, um yeah. but but yeah now when i'm like opening up as a science communicator mm-hmm. it's really essential to connect back to all 100%. those different fields yeah, yeah absolutely because you you want to you want to you want to project a complete 
a synthesized version of, of, of science. So it may not be as deep in any individual field, but yeah, I definitely want to show people, you know, it, it, and it is quite remarkable because I think a lot of people have the impression that like a scientist knows all the science. It's like, dude, (laughs) if you like are a, like if you do organometallic catalysis, you might know about nickel catalysts. And then if about palladium catalysts, you got to go ask the other guy down the hall. Oh no, for sure. Yeah. I'm thinking of the time I was working in this one immunology lab and there was another immunology lab right next door. No idea. No understanding of what they were doing. Yes. Like, you know, we'd meet up for lunch. Like, you're doing what? That works like that? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) it's just incredible. Like, you could read their paper and understand it, but you didn't know what they were doing. Not at all. Yeah. 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 Everything is on the frontier and the frontier is ever expanding. Yeah. That's, That's the main thing that needs to be communicated. And it's the main reason that. That psychom is is an emerging field mm. because it's it's just it's too much there's too much science and yes. this and this is a new problem because mm. at, i mean i'd say at the beginning of the 20th century was when it just started going crazy and it was every field was progressing yes. unbelievably fast and now fast forward 100 years later 10 times more so yeah. and it's just like it's going to get lost. Right. It's now almost inaccessible, right. you know, to it fellow is. scientists. Absolutely. And so yeah, we've to got to find public. a way to reach back out to the general public. We need public. ambassadors. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel, I feel lucky that, you know, I think that we're, uh, I mean, obviously Psycom goes a bit farther back, you know, Sagan yes. and probably before, I think sure. Sagan was maybe the first like iconic, right. uh, Psycomer. Right. But it really is only emerged over the past maybe decade or mm-hmm. so as like an actual like it's a career choice. Yes, you, you can. can do, yes, you know? right. People are yeah. leaving, you know, with a PhD and they've decided this is what I'm going to do from now on. I'm mm-hmm. going to communicate science to people. Yeah. And, yeah. Which is, I, I mean, you, you, you worked for a lot longer doing real science than I did. But okay. for me, it's a no brainer. I oh, yeah hate doing science no no, no. really see it. i loved i loved <laughs> bench science i for some reason yeah things just went very well for me at the lab mm-hmm. but um it was when i reached the point of you know okay now i'm starting to train to be a pi like to run my own right. lab and there's so much work that i can't handle like you know the sort of schmoozing and talking up your work oh, and trying to trying to apply for grants and stuff like that um, well, now you're in entertainment, so yeah. I know really, <laughs> I didn't I escape that. that. No, no, no. But it was it was just the you know there's all this red tape and behind the scenes work that you mm-hmm. have to do just to be able to Secure do your research. Funding. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so yeah. I don't think I could. I don't Bureaucracy. think I could hack that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, whether whether in the in the private sector or academia, there's inevitably going to be bureaucracy, and that's why yeah. I'm freelance. I know, isn't it amazing? We don't have to deal. Oh with my gosh, any, I don't no more anybody. no more academia, no more middle managers. Right, <laughs> and I love academia for what it is, and yes. I want to always like be academia friendly. Sure, and I hope very much to like be welcomed by yes, institutions I, in the future. But um, I just hope you know. that some reform takes place, you know, because mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of people sort of, you know, just banging their head against the wall and so much effort is wasted that mm-hmm. could be better put to use. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I think, I think we're seeing a lot of change take place. You know, we're in a really interesting time right now. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Very good stuff all across the board here. Well, Mr. Ambassador, should we uh, should we sign off? Yes, I think so. I'm I'm very revved up by this Psycom tag, and I, I need to go get back to work. I know, me too. Making my, me too. We making have to. Stuff. We have to go edit a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. Same thing. Same here. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, very good. Thanks so much for stopping by and I'm talking so about vaccines. I'm so glad I could me. come by. Thank you. And uh, everybody, go get your flu shot. It's go very important. Yes. <laughs> All right. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.